Revelation chapter 5 and verse 7 is where we'll start at today. Genesis chapter 6, uh, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 through 7 says this, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry that he had ever made them, and he put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race that I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them, but Noah found favor with the Lord. I was thinking about during the days of Noah. And what it was that caused the Lord to send a flood to destroy the earth. And you know, if I can say anything about our condition today, we have at least reached the level of wickedness in the world today, as in the days of Noah. Seriously, can you name one thing that they could have done during this wicked period that we don't do today in a larger scale? One thing. I challenge you to find one thing that they did in the days of Noah that we today don't do in a larger scale than they were doing back then. Sexual perversion is no longer something to be ashamed of. It's to be promoted from the rooftops, celebrated by the masses, homosexuality, transgenderism. Even pedophilia is trying to be normalized today. I heard a celebrity say this the other day. If a pedophile is any good, they will make a child feel good. If the abuser is any good, they will make the child feel like they are a part of it. This came from a very well-known celebrity during an interview. Do you think that it's any better than it was in Genesis chapter 6? I watched an interview the other day from a man who started an organization to fight child sex trafficking. And he said just this year, already this year, They have rescued over 1,000 children. That's how many they've rescued. There are tens of thousands of children that are being sex trafficked that are never rescued. Sex slaves is what they are. He talked about how he had went to an orphanage, an orphanage that was a cover for sex trafficking. He said the price for a child of any age was $10,000. If you had $10,000, you could buy a child to be your sex slave. Now, if they were a virgin, it cost you more. 
but wait a minute, those people did human sacrifices. Those people were, were sacrificing humans upon the altar. I believe today that we are currently sacrificing human lives on the altar of politics. I have watched enough to know that they could almost completely stop the death toll of COVID. But they need the fear factor. They need the fear factor to keep this current administration from getting reelected. And so they allow people to die from this disease. Every single day, think about this. Every single day, 125,000 precious babies are sacrificed on the altar of abortions. 125,000 babies. That is between 40 and 50,000 children that are sacrificed every year. 40 to 50,000 children on the altar of convenience. Are we truly any better than those were at Genesis 6? Are we any better at all? We live in a time when wrong is right and right is criminal. A time when if you're caught in a lie, there are no consequences. You just shrug your shoulders and go on like nothing happens. Are we really any better than those in Genesis chapter 6? Romans chapter 1. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Tell me if this isn't relevant today. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image and a form of a corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over in lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshiped and they served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions or reprobate mind. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire towards one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinances of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval 
to those who practice them. Has there ever been a more relevant scripture spoken for this time? At a minimum, we have reached the level of evil of Genesis chapter 6. I believe we have exceeded it. So the real question is this. How long will Jehovah allow this evil generation to continue? That's the real question. How long will he allow this to go on? And John has been fast-forwarded to this time in history. This time when God says the end, when Jehovah's mercy has run out. Last week we saw Father God holding out his right hand with the title deed to the earth. A seven-sealed scroll. A scroll that was rolled and then sealed and rolled and then sealed and then rolled and then sealed. Seven times it was rolled up and sealed up. So that only he who was authorized to break those seals could break those seals. And unlike normal title deeds, this title deed, as we talked about last time, does not give us the dimension of of the, the land that is deeded, but it gives the explanation of how that land will be taken back. It talked of judgment. And then an angel proclaimed who is worthy to open the scroll. And there was silence all over the universe. And John began to wail uncontrollably because of the feeling or the fear that life would never change, that it would be like this forever because there was no one worthy to take the scroll. And then one of the 24 elders silenced him and said, Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And as he turned around, he sees a lamb standing in the midst of the throne of the, with the cherubims and with the 24 elders. A pet lamb, the Bible described him. It says he was slain, but he was alive. With seven horns representing the all-powerful, seven eyes representing the all-knowing also representing the Holy Spirit. And now we stand with John on the threshold of eternity. Revelations chapter 5 and verse 7. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. 
And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessings and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down, and they worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. And so now the worthy one has arrived. Now this is the same scene that we see in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, except Daniel doesn't mention the scroll. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, that's another name for Jehovah, for God, and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed this is the time that all history has been waiting for the lamb has stepped forward and he has taken the scroll the deed out of the hand of the one that sets upon the throne this is what everyone is waiting for this is what the anticipation is all about Sin, death, and Satan will be defeated. The millennial kingdom will be established. Israel will be saved. And all believers will be exalted and will reign with Christ. This is what we have been waiting for. When the Lamb takes the scroll and it causes a spontaneous worship to abrupt. The four living creatures and the 24 elders fall down and they begin to worship their king. At this present time, at this present time, Jesus is not yet fully reigning. But that day is coming. And Psalms chapter 2, verses 6 through 12, describe that day. As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces with a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take 
refuge in him. And then it says that each one of them was holding a harp. Now, they was holding a harp and they was also holding a bowl, a golden bowl of incense. Now, commentators believe that because of the way this verse was structured in the original language, that it was the 24 elders that were holding these items. It was the 24 elders that were holding the harps and the golden bowls. So the first thing that we see that they were holding was the harp. Now, most of us, when we think about the harp, when we think about uh, uh, them having a harp and using a harp, it would be with musical worship. But I believe the symbolism is much richer than that. I believe there's more to this harp than we realize. If you were to do a word search on the word harp throughout Scripture, you'll find out that the harp is directly associated with prophecy. 1 Samuel 10, 5. After that, you will go to Gibeah of God, where there is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, timbrels, pipes, and harps being played before them, and they will be prophesying. So there was a, a direct correlation between the harp and between the prophecies that were going on with these men. 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 15. Now bring me someone who can play the harp. And while the harp was being played, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha. And so Elisha was, was prepared to begin to prophesy. And he said, I must have a harpist here to play. And when the, the notes began to play upon the harp, the power of God came upon Elisha and he began to prophesy. And then finally, in 1 Chronicles chapter 25 and verse 1, Moreover, David and the commanders of the army set apart for the service some of the sons of Asaph and, and Heman and Jedithan, who were to prophesy with lyres, harps, and cymbals. Now, the lyre was just another stringed instrument. Um, and so here we see that David had put these men in place, and they would play their harps, and they would prophesy. And so I believe that there is a, yes, it went with worship, absolutely, but there was also more to that. There was something about the playing of those notes that would cause them to prophesy. So with that bit of knowledge, there's a good chance that the harps may represent all prophecy that was to be fulfilled at this moment that we see in Scripture. Now, couple that with the golden bowls. It's even richer. I'm not burning the church down. Everyone remain calm. I am a professional. These were the bowls 
the 24 elders, the bowls that the 24 elders are holding at this time. These were the bowls that were used in the tabernacle and in the temple. It symbolized the priest's intercession for the people. The burning incense represented the prayers of the saints. Psalms 141 and verse 2 says, May my prayers be counted as incense before you, the lifting up of my hands as the evening offering. And so as the people were praying, the priest would be burning incense. And that smoke that went up into the air would represent the prayers up to God that were going up. And so when you put together, I think they went out. When you put them together and you look at the harps that would represent all of the prophecy that is about to take place in this scene. As we go into chapter 6, all of the prophecy that it's about to take place is represented in those harps. Those golden bowls that hold the incense and the incense are the prayers that are going up from every prayer, un- every prayer unseen Unanswered prayer are about, all of the righteous prayer are about to be fulfilled. The prophecies and the prayers are about to be fulfilled. And then he said they sang a new song. Once again, it's the 24 elders that are singing this new song. We know this because of the content of the song. Look at verse 9 and 10 again. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And hast made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. That really bothers me that that ain't smoking now. So much for the professional part. I put a lot of work into this gold bowl, I'll have you know. Also, just a little side note. This is something that maybe most of us don't realize. um, But you will never see anywhere in Scripture angels singing. Every place that you look that speaks about angels having any type of proclamation, they are always speaking. Every single time. Now, there is one questionable one that you find in Job chapter 8 and verse 37. And it says, while the morning stars sang together, but listen to this part, and all the angels shouted for joy. So, who are the morning stars? I don't know. But that is absolutely the only scripture in the whole Bible that even would might make you think that an angel was singing. Nowhere else in the Bible does it ever speak of angels singing. I know, I know. Hark the herald angels sing. 
I, another, another Christmas tradition ruined. I know, I just run it for you guys. <laughs> but the new song is a song of redemption. A song of redemption, and angels never need to be redeemed. This is a song for the church. This is a song for believers. It's a song of redemption. Psalms 33, 3, 40 and verse 3. Psalms 96, 1. Psalms 144, 9. Psalms 149, 1. Isaiah 42, 10. All speak of a new song. A new song of redemption that we sing before our Redeemer. And this, I find this interesting. I, I, I was listening to an article about music. And I didn't realize this. And some of you may know this. I'd never heard this before. We all know that music is played in major and minor chords. Now, minor chords are chords of suffering. Anytime you hear a song played in a minor, it's kind of got that bluesy sound, that, that sound that kind of sad sounding sound to it. And then the major music has kind of a victorious sound to it. It's very upbeat. It's very victorious. Do you realize that almost all of nature sounds off in minor chords? I had never heard that before. Even some of the most beautiful songs that the birds sing are in minor chords. When the wind blows and you hear the whistling of the wind, it's in a minor chord. I had never heard that before. But it made me think of this. Romans chapter 8 and verse 22 says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. How powerful is that? To think about that. Major chords are a sound of victory and music moves the soul. Music moves you, and so we have this new song that is being sung by the 24 elders. And the first words that they sing are, you are worthy. You are worthy. He is worthy because he is the lamb and the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is worthy because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's why he is worthy. He is worthy to break the seals. He is the only one that is worthy to break the seals, to enact the judgments that are required to take back this property that he owns. Why? Because the word that is used here, the word that we see here that they are singing, it describes someone who would go into the marketplace, who would buy a child. I'm sorry, I got to thinking again about this gentleman. He, he told a story. I'm, I'm going to share it now. He, he told a story, and he had went to one of these um, orphanages that were covering as child trafficking, and he had went in. And in order for him to be a part of this, in order for it to do any, and he did all of this overseas, he said, in the United, he said, the United States, the Americans are the number one consumers of children. 
And he said he had went in and he said in order for the, um, the law enforcement in that country, he had to go in and purchase a child to set them free. And he went in and he bought a little boy. He paid $10,000 for the boy. And they rescued the boy. Now, ultimately, the, the powerful thing about this is this gentleman went home and he, he, was, he was hurting because I, I can't even imagine what he saw. And when he got home, he told the story about the little boy. And the little boy had a sister. And the sister would kept following him around as he was carrying that little boy. And he realized that little girl was his sister. And his wife said, I want to adopt those two kids. And so ultimately, they ended up adopting those two children. And he said, that now makes us having nine kids. <laughs> but just as he went in to purchase that child to set him free, this is the picture that we have here. This is the song that they see, and it talks about Jesus going in and purchasing us as slaves in the marketplace. We were slaves to sin. We were slaves to death. And he came into the marketplace and he purchased us to set us free. To set us free. Jesus paid the price to set us free with the blood. And with that blood... He set free of every tribe, of every tongue, of every people, of every nation. I would say that pretty much covers everyone. He made us kings and priests. Listen, I, I don't understand. I've had people ask me before, what do you, what do you think that means? What, what are we going to be doing? How are we going to all be kings and priests? I said, I have no idea. But that's what it says. There are some things I just don't understand. I've tried to understand. I don't know what that means. I don't, how in the world can we all be kings and priests? I have no idea. But it says it. And so I believe it. And I'm looking forward to finding out what exactly that means. But he says we will be kings and priests. And he says that as believers we will reign on the earth with Christ. That is a promise for us. And then he says, I heard angels 10,000 times 10,000, 1,000 times 1,000. That's a lot of angels. What that literally means is it was innumerable. Because they had no number in the, in the original language that went higher than 10,000. So when they would say 10,000 times 10,000, it's like, listen, there were so many you couldn't even number them. It was impossible to number them. Myriads and myriads of angels. Now notice in verse 12 what they were doing. Saying with a loud voice. You see, once again, they weren't singing with a loud voice. Here you had the 24 elders who were singing the new song, and you had the angels who were saying with a loud voice. You ever notice how God likes everything loud? Everything's with a loud voice. Everything. So don't complain about our music being too loud. 
God likes it loud. (laughs) But they were saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb. Because of the blood that was shed, because He is all-powerful, because He has all riches, material and spiritual, and because He is all-knowing. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our worship. And he is the only one that is worthy of honor and glory and blessings. Verse 13 says, And every creature that is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessings and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. What in the world is that talking about? That's probably one of them verses that don't need a whole lot of explanation. And that is going to be wild because it says everything will worship him. Everything will worship him. Everything in the sky, everything on the earth, everything under the earth, everything in the sea will worship God. The Bible says that if we don't worship God, the rocks will cry out. I'm telling you, we've talked about it before. When we stand outside and we listen to the birds and we listen to nature worshiping God, it's not so hard to understand. (coughs) that it says that everything upon this earth at this moment in time, John heard them worshiping God forever and ever. That's a long time. And finally, when all of this worship began to come out, It says in verse 14, and the four beasts said, amen, make it happen, make it happen. Understand, the four beasts, that was the four living creatures, that was the four angels that were around the throne. And then it says, the four and twenty elders fell down and they worshipped him that liveth forever." This was the crescendo. This was the end. This is everything has built up to this moment. The lamb is standing with the seal. And next week, he will begin to break them open. Would you stand to your feet? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead and sit down. You, I, I'm so scatterbrained sometimes. I get so excited. I was thinking this morning, and I'm being, I, I get so excited to preach that I forget everything. I, I'm, I, would, I thought this morning, man, we should start with preaching. First thing, like when we come in the door, for, instead of Sunday school, I'll just preach. I just get, I don't know, I get excited about preaching. So forgive me, I get, but thank you, Dominic, for pointing that out because I absolutely forgot. Can you help me, Dominic? 
Father, we thank you for this opportunity. And God, we just pray that you would be with the Pitsons. God, we know that this is a difficult time for their ministry. And God, I know that they, they have reached out in, in other avenues of ministry. And God, they continue to, to try to find ways to minister to those in, in jail. God, I just pray that you would give them wisdom. And God, that you would protect them during this time. And that you would take these funds and, God, use it to your glory. I pray that lives are changed. And, God, whatever ministry they are stepping out to. I pray, Father, that you would bless those that are able to give today. And, God, that you would bless them above and beyond what we could either think or imagine, Father. And we ask all these things in Jesus' very precious name. Amen.